1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Mainland Podcast, episode number 44. I am Michael Citro from Mainland.com, the SB Nation blog covering Orlando City SC. And joining me is uh,
0: just uh, Andrew Harrison tonight. It's just me and you. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I've had a few weeks off. I'm fully rested and I'm ready to go.
1: Oh, man. Other Our writers uh, are being lame tonight. They have things like school and work and... Um, you know they don't have time to just sit and talk about soccer. So I mean that's lame. that's unacceptable in my eyes. Uh, at least you know we're doing something important with our lives, and they are not. So uh, anyway, um, you know when we last spoke, we were getting ready to go into the weekend and play uh, the Portland Timbers, defending MLS Cup champions, and I think we all you know, thought, had a lot of thoughts about that game, and some were even very optimistic thoughts, but I don't think anybody came close to what happened on the pitch on Sunday evening, uh, a four-to-one victory. It was just moments away from a, a, a four-nothing victory, and um, it's certainly when Kyle Laren went down early in that game, you didn't expect that kind of scoring outburst from, from Orlando City, but Kaká coming back seemed to lift the entire club and everybody seemed to rise to the occasion uh, playing against the champions.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I don't think... Like you say, nobody expected it to go that well, but I think for the first time in a really long time, or maybe I'm going to say even ever, we actually saw Kakar as a talisman. You know, he was that one player that even though heads could have gone down his very presence and his movement and his participation in the game just elevated everybody else up to make up for that difference and i think that's what we really wanted to see from him from the very start and it was really nice to be able to see him do that and it was just a it was just a great performance all around when you really look at it I, I really don't want to put anybody down, um, even though we conceded that last-minute goal. Just Higida and saran were great. They were, they played their part, but they stayed quiet, and I mean, no yellow cards in that situation. Mm-hmm. They were all over the pitch. Um, Shea had some great balls. I did think he had some weaknesses. Um, The one player I guess I would probably be negative about was Rafael Ramos, just because you didn't really see him throughout the game. But he did his job that he had to do when he was there. Um, It it was just an interesting, such well-rounded performance that I don't think we'd ever really seen from this club since the LA Galaxy came to town last season. Yeah, it was a a fairly quiet night
1: for uh, Espria and Nagby. And so I think that if you you count that, you have to say that the fullback's Played well when you consider how quiet those two were. Um, you know, you didn't hear Chara's name a whole lot. Uh Adi was the guy up top and he didn't do a whole lot. I thought that Seb Hines did a very, very good job marking him and, and Tommy writing before he went out with his injury. Um and and the the one danger man that I thought, you know, was really clicking for Portland was Diego Valeri. Uh Joe Bendick, he forced a, a very nice save out of Joe Bendick. Uh, on one occasion, and he led them in shots and and chances created, so uh, I thought Valeri was good. He didn't play against us last year, and he was, if if I were a Portland fan, I would probably point to him and say he's the only one that had a good game, Mm -hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it it really, from early on, Orlando City jumped on him with the the set piece, first set piece goal of the year, Uh, Kaká from pretty close to 40 yards out with a, you know, just a nothing play that you wouldn't expect a whole lot of danger from, but Uh, Seb Hines made a nice play to, to keep the, the defender on the, uh, on his left side so he could get to the ball and then he flicked it home just like you're supposed to. And, and uh, you know, really nice set piece goal. Uh, And then, you know, we had the great one too with, with Kaka and Shea and Shea getting his first goal as a, as a, an Orlando city player, first goal since 2012 at the club level. And, which
0: is which you know, is incredible when you think about his name and his <laughs> synonymousness, you know, with yeah being a great player in the, for the U.S. team.
1: It really is, and and you know it was good to see him get off the uh, get off the Schneid. And in fact, you know the fact that he's playing left back, you would think you know he'll have even fewer chances than when he was a winger. But uh, you know he he really did play well down that left side, and he was he was not uh, at all shy about getting forward. He had plenty of pace to get back and, and defend, and he did a pretty good job of that, and uh, you know, he had a couple of missteps in the game. He had the the handball that led to the penalty, although clearly unintentional. He was um, just a quick deflection off Adrian Vinter, and you know, maybe a little bit harsh considering the fact that he was so close to Vinter and the ball came down. But, um, you know, the the fact is Bendix stopped the penalty, which, uh, you know, another huge play in that game because it could have made it 2-1 right there.
0: Well, that's also karma as well. You know, that's what you love to see is when those <laughs> ones that get answered, you know, you don't think they should have been given and then they get saved. You're like, that was karma. That was the universe saying yeah. something.
1: everything. They, they call it ball don't lie. That's what the, the kids are saying. Ball don't ball lie. Ball don't
0: lie. OK, I'm going to have to remember that. I feel so old now. Ball don't now.
1: lie. Yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, Kaka gets one of his own, uh, you know, a nice goal for him on, uh, a tremendous play. Molino takes it down the right side and slides it in for Venter. Venter does a great job of walling off, uh, uh, Nat Borcher's really good defender and, um, ball kicks back to Kaka for the goal. I thought Venter got a touch on it and I was calling that an assist for Venter, but he didn't get an assist officially. Um, perhaps Borcher got a toe to it. Um, I can't really tell. I've watched the dang thing about 10, 15 times. I can't tell. I can't tell whose toe knocked the ball backward, but um, you know from the video that's online. But uh, you know the important thing is that the captain found the back of the net, and uh, and then later on maybe the best play that Kaká made all night. Um, Molino gets pulled down in the box, and Kaká hands the, him the ball for him to get his first MLS goal. Very unselfish. Uh, wanted to get his teammate going. And um, you know, just an incredible class move by Kaká.
0: It's a class move and it shows you why he's the captain of this team. You know, He doesn't need the goals. He doesn't need that confidence boost. But he has been talking about Molino since he got to this club. And I think by giving him the ball and giving him that responsibility shows you what Molino means to him, to a, a, a former world player of the year and the talent that he believes that he has – in even those go every goal counts, you know, people will be like, well, it's a penalty, you know, let's see him score from open play. That'll really be it. But every goal counts. And I think that really hit that was also the catalyst for this team to move forward, um, on so many levels.
1: Yeah. And to put it in a, to terms of another sport, it's, um, you know, it's like when you can't hit your shot in basketball. So you try to get to the line, you try to, you know, take the ball inside and, and get fouled and get to the free throw line. It's you're still scoring points, but it's you know it's not the way that people envision you doing it, but uh, you know they all count the same. So they all go on
0: your they um, all go on your stat sheet.
1: That's right. So it was good to see him get on. I was scared to death he was going to miss the penalty and then go even into a deeper funk. But uh,
0: there is always that risk. He
1: made <laughs> yeah, there is. It was a risky move, but he was in front of uh, the supporter section, and and you know they carried on. I thought the crowd was great. We had thirty-one thousand at the Citrus Bowl on a, on a late Sunday night. It was a you know it's a work night, a school night. And yet, a very, very nice crowd against a, a team that, yeah, they're MLS Cup champs, but they're not like, um, you know, they're not like the the big names like the Galaxy and the Sounders and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, they have some good players. I'm certainly not saying they don't, but uh, I think the household names, you know, like, you know, like the the Robbie Keens and the the Clint Dempseys and guys like that, you know, they've got some good players in, in Portland, some really uh, underrated players too. But, uh, you know, for for this being a team we are only going to see once all year and, 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 uh, you know, just not being the huge name club cause you know, Portland, the Portland market is not what the LA market is and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I thought the crowd did a great job. They showed up in, in numbers, they were loud and they were electric all night. And, you know, I don't know if that came through, you know, on television, I know that you, you and your wife ended up watching from home cause you just moved, but, uh, uh, you know, certainly at the Citrus Bowl, it, it seemed to be one of the more lively cl- lively uh, night crowds. It,
0: it was a great crowd. I mean, you've you got to think, 8 o'clock on a Sunday, games on TV, so it's even delayed from kickoff. Um, mm-hmm. The crowd just brought it, and I love that that enthusiasm can come through in those situations. You know, we talk about weekdays, and Friday Saturday nights are the big nights to get crowds, but we can still do that on a Sunday. That's really important to this club. I think it shows you how important this club is to the city. And and we really were, we had a 12th man situation. You know, it never really needed that 12th man, but I think that was why we pushed on. We were trying to keep that clean sheet. And Portland just looked out of it. They may not be that big name club, but they do have some very talented individuals that they have found on the market that people weren't really looking at. And mm-hmm. they've managed to bring it in, create a great team. And Caleb Porter has such a great winning record that it's hard to say anything negative against them. But they just looked they looked deflated. Maybe it's a long West, Coast, East, West East Coast travel, but we all have to do it. And it always happens to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. They just happened to be on the wrong end of it from us on Sunday night. But it was a great, great, great win. And it did come through on TV without a doubt.
1: Yeah, it was a. It was you know the the trip was reversed last year and Orlando City went to Portland and got a two nil win. So um, you know you can't can't point to the travel. You have to you have to look to a lot of things. I know that some of the some of their fans. I was reading their site and uh, you know some of their fans were talking about the turf and the the referee not sending off Breck Shea. We'll get to, to that more in a minute. But um, you know the bottom line is it looked like. Orlando city overwhelmed them in the midfield. Didn't make, didn't give them any room out wide to use any pace or, or get any, you know, dangerous crosses in. And Adi was always very carefully watched by the two center backs. I thought that Orlando city had a very good game plan. Um, the possession was just about dead, even in the first half. And in the second half, after Orlando city had gone up a couple goals, they started to cede more and more of the possession to, to Portland and, and just be content to defend and, and, and take their chances when they could. But, um, uh, you know, and, and obviously, as Kaká tired, because he hadn't played 90 minutes in, I don't know, he's played it in 2016. I don't think he's, no, I don't know if he played 90 minutes, but uh, he played 80, and you could tell he was pretty gassed because he was, uh, when the ball was in the defensive third, he just stood in the center circle and did not move. Yeah. Uh, so it was, like, I'm sure on TV you couldn't even see him in frame.
0: No, there was there was times where... You know, he just wasn't even there. And you were like, is he even still on the field? Like, is he, you know, is he, has he stopped to take a break? Is he having a, some water? You know, like, he just wasn't even there. But I think the players, he didn't need to be that player. He didn't need to be in every position because the rest of the team had it. And I think that was an also an important growth because I remember writing at the start of early last season, Kakar was trying to do everybody's job. And that Mm -hmm. was really taking away from who he was. This time he said, you know what, I've got to do this. This is my role. This is my position. Everybody else is going to run around me and and give me those opportunities to make the pass or get in some free space and, and take those shots. And that was the key to that game. All of a sudden, he didn't have to worry. Yes, we we basically played Portland's game. We overwhelmed the team in the midfield. We allowed our playmaker and Kaká, just like Valeri, to have those shots, have the dead ball opportunities, and we just came out on top by a very, very big margin that nobody expected.
1: Yeah, it was it was a, an impressive performance all around. I, I, we talking in the press box, Gavin and I were discussing. As we went along, man of the match, man of the match is this guy. And it was until Kaká scored the goal and he still he had to assist. But until he got the goal, Seb Hines was still our man of the match. He was just having that good of a match. Yeah. Um, not only did he score the goal, but he was making important uh, interceptions and blocks in the area. And and, uh, you know, handling Adi and uh, just doing a great job. I mean, it was it was easily his best game of the year. And um, we were going to reward him for that. And then Kaká got the extra goal. He's got the goal. It's like, well, now he's got a goal and two assists. Well, now he's got a goal and two assists and gave Molino a goal.
0: <laughs> so, you
1: know, it became kind of a no-brainer. So it's a perfect segue into – I don't think you're probably going to argue with me. My man of the match was certainly Ricky.
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But I, I will say that I was with you on the Seb Hines situation. I'm, I remember turning to to my to Lindsay and saying, you know – Sebs really kept Adi quiet. Like you you wouldn't know that they have a DP striker playing up front who is really dangerous. You Mm -hmm. just didn't have that. And also I kind of wanted to give it to Heinz a little bit. I'm not going to argue with your Ricky selection, but you know, (laughs) Heinz lost his partner in Reading at halftime and we still didn't really look fragile even when we started giving them more of the ball. And I think you really have to give credit to a defense that looks shaky at times with that partnership. Um, Yes, we conceded, but we didn't look completely shaky like we had previously. So I'm going to go with Ricky, but an honorable mention to Seb Hines.
1: Yeah, and another honorable mention to Chris Nigueita. I think he had another stellar game, breaking a play, uh, really doing a great job uh, as he as he normally does. It was um, you know just another tour de force uh, for the, the young Colombian, and he he's a guy who I mean, right now, according to WhoScored.com, who is leading the entire uh, league in uh, tackles per game. Uh, He's at 7.3 tackles per game. He's a full tackle per game higher than second place. So he's having a a really outstanding year. And if he keeps this up, uh, he had a bad first game. But the last two games have been outstanding. If he can continue to play like that, he's going to get sold sooner rather than later uh, to a European club because he's, he's just playing that well right now.
0: Well, and you also have to remember he's making a, almost a tackle more per game in a team that plays two defensive midfielders and two solid scoring, you know, solid defending center backs. That's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. He's not even letting the center the guys get to the center backs.
1: Sometimes Uh, three. Sometimes three uh, defensive midfielders.
0: Yeah, Carrasco
1: came on and and,
0: and played kind of that extra third DM, and he was still making those kind of tackles. And I actually think that was why he potentially didn't get booked that game, was he didn't have to make that last-ditch tackle that usually Mm -hmm. ends up sacrificing himself for, because he always had another two people right behind him. So uh, that's interesting. I wouldn't want to see us play three defensive midfielders all the time, because I want to see us go forward at some point, but it did yeah. it did change his game and it even maybe's elevated it that little bit more.
1: Yeah, in fact, he uh, started the play that ended in Kaká's goal with the nice diagonal ball for Molino. So uh, even on the offensive end, he did uh, he did his part. Yeah. So um, it, you know, just a, a great night for everybody. Uh, the only thing that wasn't great was the injuries. Of course, uh, Kyle Laren we mentioned, he tweaked the hamstring. He came out, he went back on briefly, but, uh, then they brought Carrasco in, took Lahren off and moved Kaka up to a, a false nine as, as Adrian Heath explained after the match. Um, so, you know, you had your attacking midfielder, your maestro who was, uh, in all intents and purposes playing striker, but still, you know, dropping deep and getting the ball and, and getting other people involved in the play as well. So, uh, you know great job by him an interesting move by the coach to not just go with the next striker down the bench um but it, it all worked out very well and i wouldn't be surprised if, if laren's not making the trip to see kaka in that uh false nine start the game uh against the union on friday night the other injury of course uh, tommy redding um, has been playing very very well especially for a 19 year old um in that center back pairing with seb hines he clashed heads uh, in the first half, came out at halftime. wasn't feeling well. Um, you don't mess around with head injuries. He's he's out and and probably with the with the with the concussion protocol um, doubtful for Friday night. Might not make the trip as well. So um, uh, Mateos was not on the bench. It's our understanding that he's he's fit enough to be in the 18, but maybe they're giving him hamstring a little bit extra time to heal. He wasn't in the 18. Aurelian Collin came on, got his first action of the season. Uh, played okay. You know, obviously, you, know, you have to take into account that he hasn't been playing, so there's that. But uh, um, you know, he's—it's clear to see why Adrian Heath is, has preferred the guys that he's had playing because uh, Collins still has that that reckless tendency mm-hmm. to, to dive right in and, and to to get pulled out of shape because he'll he'll try to track the ball at times when he shouldn't and and uh, you know maybe you know miss a man slipping behind him and that kind of thing. There were a couple of nervy moments in that second half that I thought probably were a little more nervy than they needed to be.
0: Oh, without a doubt, I think we our shape just changed so much and I we saw why we conceded so many goals last year was like you say Colin chases the ball and not necessarily the player he's out to mark. And that's Mm -hmm. the most dangerous thing that you can do at center back because you're potentially going to play somebody onside when they should have been off. You've got to step up in that arsenal back line. You know, everybody steps up as one and catches the guy out. Colin doesn't allow you to do that. He also just steps in with the rash challenges and doesn't necessarily try to muscle the guy off the ball and not concede the foul. He just goes straight to ground and hopes that he gets to the ball first which unfortunately for him as he's getting older is getting harder because that mm-hmm. ball's always just that one step a little bit further away from him um, you can totally see why the partnership changed I think you kind of saw that on Twitter a little bit more this week where people kind of stopped defending why he wasn't being selected um, <laughs> and you know you don't want to blame him for the goal but it was it was definitely a contributing factor to us conceding that one um, and, and destroying the potential back-to-back clean sheets that we have yet to attain.
1: Yeah, there was a, a little bit of moment of, 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 indecision on his part at the beginning of that play, when the ball came into the box, he was a little late getting out to, to block the shot. And when he got there, he didn't get all of it. So it kind of started to pinball around a bit. And, um, there was other blame to go around. I think, uh, Darwin got caught ball watching a little bit as well. And, and Carrasco I think was left with two guys and, and maybe didn't go to the right one, but, uh, uh, you know, it's certainly once the ball starts pinballing around in there, you know, all bets are off. So, um, and it was, uh, it was, it was certainly not all, all Aurelian's fault for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, he was partly culpable and, and, and that's unfortunate because again, it was his first action of the season and, and, you know, he's, he, he, he probably his recognition and his reaction is probably not where it needs to be yet.
0: Well and I think you, you, you kinda of saw his reaction as well after the goal went in. Like I think he, he kind of felt like he was a part of it, you know. He hadn't got that match mm-hmm. fitness and I think he did wanna kind of take it in as his fault. But you don't wanna see that and especially going into the fact that he probably is gonna to have to start this game. You know Mateos isn't gonna be able to go the full ninety, which you mm-hmm. expect from centre backs. Um, so he's gotta suck it up, move on and and hopefully he'll, he'll learn from his mistakes, even though you you got to say for a guy who's making his money and his age, he should have learned from those mistakes already.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. We we know that Aguita had a tough uh, first game this year or so uh, and then got much better. So hopefully, uh, you know, if Colin gets to start on Friday, that he'll be able to step up and, and elevate his play somewhat. Uh, let's talk about Breck Shea a little bit because it was one nothing. And Shea got a yellow card for coming through the back of Diron Asprea, and uh, a lot of people said that should have been a red card right off the get go. And I can't really, I can't defend Breck Shea on the tackle. It was it was reckless. It was from behind. It was late. Uh, I will say though that when you've got the 2015 MLS referee of the year, uh, and you you dismiss his decision when he was you know in a pretty good position to make a call. Um, you know, I don't understand what that says about the officiating process in major league soccer.
0: I think, you know, it, it was, a, I had the benefit of watching it on television, you know, saw the mm-hmm. foul, knew it was a card, wasn't too sure what color I got the yeah. benefit of a replay. And I was like, he could have totally been off and probably should have been Alan Kelly doesn't get that opportunity. You know, the 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 ability to upgrade it to a red card takes unanimous decision. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of people watching that replay, and I think the replay made it seem a lot worse. Like I didn't hear a scream from Aspria going down. I didn't hear that in the real time play. So I'm actually going to give the benefit of the doubt to Kelly. He made the right decision from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the reason the disciplinary committee exists. But I also don't like the fact that. They took a TV replay, watched it 10, 15 times and said, you know what? Yeah, it was dangerous. We're going to give him a suspension. That that seems a little unfair Um, to Portland because they could have played half the game with being a man up and Mm -hmm. and then also penalizing us when we didn't suffer that penalty in the game.
1: Right. And now we've we were on the side of it that Portland uh, was on, uh, you know, in terms of Orlando City had a guy who, you know, from Portland's uh, perspective should have been off and should have given them a better chance to win the game. Well, last year, when Orlando City played Vancouver Whitecaps, two guys, two guys got disciplined the week after the game, yep. and it was a one nothing final. It came down to basically the last kick of the game, and I'm pretty sure that Orlando City might have had a different outcome had they played two men up uh, against Vancouver last year. So, I mean, it... These kind of things, they're rare. They sort of balance out over the course of, you know, long periods of time like this. So, um, you know, at this point, I guess it's fortunate that the red card came, uh, you know, midweek instead of, uh, you know, when it happened. And obviously, you know, that's that's the good news. If you're the glass is half empty kind of guy, you're saying, oh, we had two injuries and now this and now we're down three starters. Um, So, you know, I guess from my perspective, it's just. It is what it is. We're going to test the depth of this club going up against a much improved Philadelphia side on Friday. And, um, you know, uh, Breck Shea will have to learn not to leave his feet uh, in that kind of situation. Because, I mean, there's, there's literally almost no way he's getting that ball.
0: Yeah. I think that's I think that's really why it became a red card because the replay just shows that so much more. Whereas in a in a bang bang situation, you know, the referee doesn't always have that benefit of the doubt. But he was Mm -hmm. never making that ball. And to be honest with you, it's not the first time Brexay has made that kind of challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, it's a live and learn. um, But look at it this way: we at least have the ability to know that he's going to be missing right from the start. We can get a few minutes in training without him rather than just being like, oh, you know what, crap, we got sent off. We now got to play a man down. We're at least going to get to keep that 11th guy on the field.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. So that's good news. And, uh, you know, speaking of the Philadelphia Union, who uh, they are 2-2-0, and uh, a tough loss down to 10 men uh, at Chicago in, a, in very difficult conditions. I don't know if you saw any of that game, Andrew, but parts of the game were sunny, and then other parts it looked like there was a blizzard going on with snowing sideways. So uh, it was it was I was enjoying it. I was watching our our compadre, uh, Paul Tenorio, who's now on the broadcast crew with the fire, uh, you know, wishing him to to stay warm up there. But it was it was tough conditions, very windy and down 10 men. Philadelphia still actually, you know, in in large patches of the game, outplayed Chicago and and maybe could have got a result. But they lost one nil, a much improved Philadelphia team. Uh, they won 10 games all of last year, already with, with two in the first four games this year. Uh, we're going to bring in our special guest now, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Orlando City against the Philadelphia Union. Joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week, uh, we're excited to have uh, Eugene Rapinski, he's the managing editor at Brotherly Game, our SB Nation sister site covering the Philadelphia Union. Eugene, how are you doing tonight?
2: Pretty good. How about you?
1: No complaints on our end. Well, some complaints. We lost uh, Breck Shea today but uh, uh, for the game on Friday, but, um, you know, a minor complaint, I guess. Other than that, you know, things are good. Gotcha. Um, you know, weather's been beautiful down here the last few days, and. Uh, after a lot of rain and lightning, and and uh, you know, we're just uh, we're just excited about Friday. Want to see some see some soccer? See if Orlando City can keep this thing going at, at your expense. <laughs> I wanted to first ask you, Eugene, uh, about the uh, Union because the, the Union last year ten wins the whole season already off to a pretty good start two two and Um kind of a kind of a, uh, an intermittent blizzard that they played in uh, last weekend against Chicago Fire, uh, down to 10 men, so probably not indicative of what maybe the result should have been there. But, uh, you know, as, as someone who has watched the union over the years, uh, what is what seems to be the difference with this year's team? I think
2: the, the big difference is that the club has a sense of direction. Uh, you know, years past it seemed like we just kind of went into the preseason Looking to, you know, maybe add a player here or there, um, you know, and, and it seems like this year they got rid of a lot of dead weight, a lot of players that were aging out, a lot of uh, guys that just weren't producing and, and brought in some guys, uh, you know, with, uh, with a real uh, reputation and a real chance to, to prove themselves. You know, when you get rid of you know, a guy like Andrew Wenger, and no offense, no offense to him, but he, he just didn't produce last year, and you replace him, you know, with a guy like El Elzinho, uh, you know, that's that's a huge upgrade, uh, and that's for any team in the league. So I think you know that just the the overall direction of the club and having uh, a goal that that is attainable and and that they can work toward has been huge.
0: Well, and and you you mentioned how the club having a sense of direction. Obviously, you didn't do too well last year, but you stuck with Jim Curtin, and he seems to have really been able to put his stamp on the team. Do you think a lot of this new direction and the, the rise that you've kind of had early on in the season is all down to him and getting rid of some of that? It's all been his, you know, his way or the highway kind of thing.
2: Well, I think, you know, Jim
0: did as well as he could have last year with the cards that he was dealt. Um, you
2: know, if you take a look at last year's roster, there's really no way that you can you could have expected to have contended for, for an NLS Cup, uh, let alone try to make the playoffs. I mean, the, the, the quality was very poor. I think this year, you know, Ernie Stewart has, has been able to kind of put his stamp on things and work his magic. You know, when he's with Oz Ed over in, over in the Netherlands, uh, he was able to do more with less. And I think that is uh, something that Philadelphia, uh, you know, they've always said that they they weren't going to be another Seattle. They weren't going to go out and just throw a bunch of money at a player. Um, So, you know, they're trying to work within that. And I think they've been able to accomplish uh, building a a competent and competitive roster. And I think, you know, giving uh, Coach Curtin those tools has allowed him to to uh, to do a lot better than 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 he would have been able to last year. You
1: no, know, Eugene, you mentioned uh, you know shipping some guys out. One of the guys that surprised me and probably surprised some people around the league, but maybe there was a good reason for it. Christian Maidana uh, getting getting sent to Houston. Um, you know, what was the thought behind that? And and you know, usually you don't see a player that was producing like that uh, on a on a team that wasn't you know wasn't very productive and very effective last year, usually those are the players that kind of stick around and and get built around. But in this case, you know, he goes packing, and and it ends up like almost uh, helping the club a little bit.
2: Sure. No, I mean, it it caught a lot of us here by surprise as well. If if you look at last year's roster, uh, you know, Chaco was one of the few guys that actually produced, you know, to produce 10 assists, you know, to to go into the last game of the season tied for the the league lead in assists. On on the the union on a team that you know couldn't couldn't shoot you know couldn't shoot straight, it it says a lot about him. So for us, it was it was kind of crazy. But you know, I guess the ends have justified the means. I mean, we were able to bring you were able to free up cap space. We were able to uh, bring in a guy like Elzinho, bring in a guy like Roland Alberg. um, You know, just really retool the, the midfield. You know, so what was. You know Maidana and a couple of other guys has turned into a fairly formidable uh, midfield you know, and one that I think competes with just about any in MLF.
0: Well, and, and one of those things, you know, you've had a lot of movement around and one of those guys that's come in this year was um, Craval and he's going to be missing on Friday. Um, do you think he's going to be a big miss for you?
2: Absolutely. Um, I've been pretty high on Craval since we picked him up last year. Um, I've always thought that he had the talent uh, to, you know, the the, the raw talent to to be a solid MLS uh, defensive midfielder. And uh, I think, you know, learning alongside of a guy like Brian Carroll can only, uh, you know, help him out in that regard. And, and, you know, that the first few games, the first uh, two, two, three games that he was in, uh, he did very well. Now the game in Chicago he actually was doing well with the exception of those two tackles that he made. I, you know, I thought that he was having a decent game and, and then he picked up the, the yellow card and then he picked up the straight red card and, and you know, you, you just can't do that. Um, so I think that that's going to hurt the union quite a bit, uh, to not have his, uh, physical presence there, uh, especially when you're facing guys like Kyle Aaron and, uh, Kaká and, and the guys in the Orlando midfield. I mean, having that body there is, a uh, you know, missing, missing out on that, I should
1: say, is uh, going to be huge. Well, you may have dodged a bullet because Kyle Aaron tweaked his hamstring on Sunday and is uh, is being called doubtful right now. Um, certainly, with somebody of Kyle's, uh, the way he plays, uh, I would be surprised if Adrian Heath rushes him back into the lineup. I would I would expect he'll leave him home to to get an extra uh, ten days or so rest before the New England game, but. Um, you know, one of the things I was – you and I have been chatting online and you talked a little bit about how uh, Philadelphia is a, a club that seems to be okay with the other team possessing the ball and trying to strike back on the counter. And that reminds me of the team you guys played last week, the Chicago Fire. They seem to play a similar style. Is that sort of the, the style that you would compare uh, the Union's play to? <sighs>
2: In a sense, yeah. I mean, you know, Chicago is a team that, that doesn't seem to want to hold on to, to the ball. And, you know, I mean that in the, in the most positive of ways. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're they're not looking to to set up a lot of, uh, you know, holding up the ball and, and moving things around. I mean, they like to hit teams on the counter. And I think, you know, in in, in terrible conditions, you know, in the, in the snow and, and, the, and the wind, uh, you know, and us going down uh, ten men, you know that sort of, you know, kind of played into their strength. I mean, yeah, even though that's you know our, our strength as well, um, I think that really uh, did us at the service. Um, you know, so I think I think we are similar, but not uh, exactly alike in, in that regard.
0: I think it does. Um, when, <laughs> when, So we're heading into Friday's contest. Um, some of our fans may not be as familiar with your team as they are with Orlando City. Who should we be watching out for to be a threat for us, against us?
2: Sure thing. Um, well, you know, I've touched on, on the guys in the midfield. Uh, Chris Pontius has returned to the form uh, that he had back uh, in his glory days with DC United a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, if he can maintain uh, being injury free, I, I don't see any sort of drop off uh, with that. I think Roland Alberg is a guy who seems like he's finally fit and is uh, fitting in very well with the, uh, with the Union offense. Um, and El as well, you know, the, the interplay between Alberg and El uh against the fire, I mean, just the stuff that they were, were trying to do and pulling off most of the time was, was incredible. It's not stuff that you see in MLS. a lot of, you know, give and go. Uh, you know, his uh, Elastico against, uh, you know, Michael Harrington was, uh, was pretty uh, well-received throughout the league. Um, you know, you, don't, you just don't see that sort of stuff every day in MLS. and, and to know that you have that sort of uh, talent and, and an offensive threat on your team is uh, it's actually a good feeling. It's not one we're used to having here in Philadelphia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and for those of you who may – that that name may sound familiar, Michael Harrington. Uh, it, you, just a few games ago against Chicago, he's the one that got sent off for the flying kick to uh, Breck Shea's man parts and um, put Chicago down for most of that game. Um, all right, here's what I don't get. These teams have met twice. Philadelphia is not known as the most uh, leak-proof team, let's say, in MLS – and Orlando City has zero goals to show for it in two games. So what's going on there? What what is uh, what kind of voodoo is Philadelphia using to keep us off the scoreboard? <laughs>
2: uh, if I if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, you know I, I think that Philadelphia the defense the, the defense especially this year and to an extent last year was always kind of hit or miss. Um. The guys would go out, some guys would go out uh, last year and have have a couple of good games and then would they give up four goals uh, to to Red Bull before halftime, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I think this year it's been a bit more consistent. I think, you know, I I think you guys just happened to catch up on the rare occasion where the defense uh, was able to cope and was able to play as a unit and not... Uh, you know, four guys running around uh, toward the goal so, I mean it was unlucky for you but you know, again, it was one of the very few uh, bright spots for for this club
0: Um, Obviously one player a lot of people know is Sebastian Latou, he seems to have been out the lineup um, past few games more as a super sub is that the role that you're starting to see him transition into? I believe so. I think,
2: um, you know, the, the, the quality of, of the midfield has has increased dramatically over the past couple of years, and that's really not a knock on two I mean, certainly, he's a guy that's known for his speed and his pace um, and his work rate, and he is on he is on the wrong side of thirty. But he hasn't. It's not like he's lost a step. It's not like he has. Uh, you know, all of a sudden become one of the slower guys on the team. Like, that's, that's not the case. I think the the thing here is that we have so many good uh, options at center mid that, you know, he he's just kind of fallen down the depth chart a little bit, you know. But, you know, frankly, to have a guy like Latou uh, as, de- as a depth option is not something that we've ever had here. We've always had a very big uh, gulf between the, the starting 11 players uh, and then, you know, this kind of second-tier uh, guys. I mean, there's always been a wide gap between that, and and I think now that gap has closed. And I think, you know, you may see Latou uh, starting a few games, especially if injuries uh, hit and some guys start to, uh, to not produce. But I, I would think that, that he is uh, probably – best utilized off of the bench. I mean, there's nothing more fearsome for for a coach, you know, if you have to fly from, you know, Orlando or from Houston or wherever to Philadelphia on a weeknight on short rest and and you've got those tired legs and 60, 75 minutes in, a burner like Latu comes out. Like, that's got to be kind of terrifying.
1: You know, uh, Eugene, one of the things around MLS uh, that – Philadelphia is the has been the butt of many jokes in Philadelphia more than anywhere else actually, uh, with the insane number of goalkeepers you guys have used over the <laughs> years. Uh, but it seems like that position has solidified now with Andre Blake, and, and he's been uh, he's had he's turned in player a week type performances and, and that kind of thing. Has he brought some stability to that position finally for Philadelphia?
2: Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, you know, it's good to have a a kind of proven number one guy and a guy of the caliber of Andre, uh, and and to have that kind of confidence going in, into a game and knowing knowing he's back there, like, that's huge. Um, you know, some of the guys that we've had before were okay. I mean, a, a guy like McMath, he was serviceable, um, but never really that, that kind of uh, stud goalkeeper. I think the only one that the club has ever really had was uh, Fareed Munderbone back in 2011, and, and he was only here for a year. You know, other than that, when you're dealing with, you know, putting in, uh, you know, a guy that would be a, a second or a third keeper on just about any other team, you know, to have, a, excuse me, to have a, a a stable, solid figure like Blake back there is, is absolutely huge. Um, you know, so it's it's good to finally shed that that kind of mantle of being the butt of all. Uh, uh, goalkeeper jokes, and I really wish the
0: Colorado Rapids well with that. <laughs> well, and obviously, you you, ha- you guys had pretty good draft selections. Um, are you hoping to see more out of people like Ferbers um, going forward? And obviously, Keegan Rosenberry has had a pretty good... Um, I know he wasn't super draft this year, but he's had a pretty good start to the year, too.
2: Yeah, no, Rosenberry has been... Um, you know, it was kind of a surprise that he was not able to be brought on as a homegrown player. Uh, and when he did declare for the draft, you know, we all kind of were like, okay, well, where, where is he going to wind up? But to see him taken by Philadelphia, I think, shocked a lot of people. But they were really high on him, and, and for good reason, obviously. I mean, he's come in. Uh, he was basically called on as a spot starter. Uh, Ray Gaddis, who had held that position uh, right back last year, uh, got injured, you know, a couple of days before the the first game, and uh, Rosenberry really just kind of has held on to that spot. I mean, his play has been phenomenal. Um, a, a guy like Herbers has has been utilized more as a as a late game sub. I think more just to get him minutes and to get him in with the, the first team. But you know, I think he's a guy that that can come a long way uh, in MLS as well. Uh, you know. Uh, Taylor Washington is another guy that is, uh, you know, left back that we drafted, that I think is going to make a name for himself. Um, you know, he's learning un- under Fabinho and he's getting a lot of minutes at Bethlehem Steel FC, so I think you know uh, he's going to come uh, a long way as well. You know, the Union seem to have done very well for themselves in the draft, and that's so important when you're a club that isn't going to go out and just drop a lot of money on on a, on a DP center back or a DP
1: striker or something like that, you know? Eugene, before we let you get out of here, uh, it's a two part question, I guess. What is Philadelphia's main weakness that, that uh, Orlando should look to exploit? And, and the second part of that is, is who on the, on the, uh, who on Orlando city kind of frightens uh, union fans and, and they're a little bit uh, leery of going up against.
2: Sure. Um, well, for the first part, uh, a guy that, that Orlando fans uh, should be kind of, uh, I guess, worried about. Or, I'm sorry, that wasn't the question. What was the question?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where where are the, where are the weak points that in Philadelphia that Orlando City should look to exploit? And then uh, the second part is is you know who on Orlando City is is Philadelphia kind of nervous about facing?
2: Okay, I'll I'll, I'll try better this time. Um, <laughs> So, you know, weaknesses that the Union have, obviously it's been shown that, you know, a a card, you know, the red card is a weakness. If we go down a guy, especially as early in the game as we did against Chicago, we're stuck. Um, You know, so I think that's going to be something, keeping the Union out of foul trouble. I think another weakness to, to exploit is just, um, you know, there's going to be somebody new playing at midfield. It's probably going to be Vincent Noguera, uh, who's coming back off of an injury. So he may not have the freshest legs. He may not be able to go, uh, you know, for a full 90 minutes. That might be a weakness uh, to exploit. Yeah, other things is just, uh, you know, trying to exploit the, the miscommunications that happen between a team. I mean, the union, this isn't the union that, that you guys faced last year. Uh, you're not going to see a whole lot of those kind of boneheaded errors that lead to easy goals. I think you, you may see one or two of them, and if Orlando can capitalize on that, you know, then, then they win. win. You know, if they cannot seize those, those couple of opportunities... You know, it's going to be a long night for you guys. Somebody who scares Union fans—I mean, you know, Kaká is always a good answer. Um, I don't want to necessarily go with him because I think that's a cop out. So I'll, I'll go with the, the 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 midfield combination of Edita and, and Sorin. You know, I think those guys are kind of overlooked. You know, and, and it's, it's very easy to do so when you've got you know Breck Shea and. A, on like a Kyle Laird on the team it's very easy to overlook, uh, you know, guys like that who do the kind of grunt work that makes a, a team successful. Um, so, you know, those those are the kind of guys that scare me personally. But, you know, if they have a good game, if they can continue to, to, to do the things that they do, those little things that, that help a team win, then it's going to be a tough night for us. You know, if we can get them off of their game, um, you know, then who knows? we probably have a better shot of a getting
1: three points. Well, we'll see what happens on Friday night. I mean, these two teams in two games uh, in MLS play have no goals in the run of play, just a Latou penalty to show for the scoring, uh, <laughs> just as you'd expect from these, you know, defensive stalwart clubs. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, Eugene, I, you know, appreciate you coming on so much and, and talking to us. We didn't even bring up CJ Sapong, who uh, was here for a few games uh and uh, has, has blossomed here the last year for, uh, for Philadelphia. But uh, sure. why, don't you, uh, why don't you tell uh, our listeners where they can uh, find you on Twitter and, uh, and where they can find your blog?
2: Sure thing. I'm on Twitter at, at uh, Golazo Del Gringo. Uh, you can always follow uh, myself and the rest of the, uh, the Brotherly Game crew at Brotherly Game, and uh, check us out at www.brotherlygame.com. You know, as, as Michael said, we are one of the uh, the brother blogs. Uh, it's Always weird referring to brotherly game as a sister blog. Um, That's that always kind of <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we we like talking soccer with you guys, and um, you know, hope you know if anybody if anybody's coming up, it's, it's dress warm. It's going to be cold.
1: <laughs> and Eugene knows <laughs> he knows the difference because uh, he has family down here in uh, in Florida. So. Uh, but Eugene Rapinski, Managing Editor at Brotherly Game, thanks so much for, for being with us, and um, we'll, we'll talk to you probably again in a few weeks. Sounds yeah, good. Take care, guys. Well, this, uh, this 44th episode of the Mainland Podcast is starting to wind down, Andrew, but uh, we want to thank our guest, Eugene Rapinski. He's the Managing Editor at Brotherly Game. Our SB Nation brother blog... Uh, as he likes to put it and so you know we, we always say sister blog I don't really know why I don't I don't think there's a uh, even it makes any sense to use gender in in any capacity when you talk about it uh, there there are affiliate blog let's say yeah I, uh, that covers the Philadelphia Union
0: I, I have I no idea I, where the entomology of female blogs came from so
1: you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's like you know
1: ships yeah. and cars and things yeah like but that, nobody smashes
0: a bottle of champagne off a blog when it opens up you know
1: well you know there's a lot of people that would like to smash some bottles over us i think <laughs> sometimes <laughs> uh but uh, before we get out of here and call it a podcast uh, i do want to call attention to the fact that we're we're playing the union on friday and we have to get in here with our, our key matchups and our match predictions andrew and since it's just you and me you know uh, we need to get into it and, and, and really, uh, really understand what's going to happen on Friday night.
0: I think you know we're on the end of a. It's going to be a short game week for us. We got travel involved. Um, I think it's going to be a cagey affair. We. I, I'm trying to think back to our Friday record. We don't necessarily have a great record on Fridays, um, so it, it's a little bit of a boggy day for us. So I think it's going to be a tough contest. Philadelphia has really got something to prove. Um, they've started the season well, and, you know, we're really – are we the last unbeaten team in Major League Soccer?
1: Uh, sp- or uh, Sporting Kansas – no, Rail Salt Lake is also unbeaten. Also
0: unbeaten, you know, and, yeah. and we had a good game against those guys, and, you know, we, we came back for that one. So that shows where we are. Um, I think they're going to miss Krival, like we, we talked about in the, the, the conversation with Eugene. Yeah. Um, I am still going to say key matchup is definitely going to be that midfield. They have a lot of new guys that we haven't really played before. Um, Mm -hmm. That's going to be very dangerous for us. And we're not going to have a lot of game footage on them as well. So you can't really train for that we're also going to be a missing people ourselves. So we've got a lot of moving pieces and some actually just going to say, it's going to be matchups all over the field. It's a little bit of a cop out, but <laughs> we don't know enough about them from film. We've got so many changes in our lineup and um, including shade a day. So that's something that we can prepare for, but not as well as we could have done. Um, and I am going to actually say it is a high scoring 2 all draw.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Um,
1: are we going to get it some uh, some goals in the run of play finally against Philadelphia. I
0: think we are. Um, I think that Kaká also, um, like I wrote in my roundtable last week, I think he really is going to start knocking up our dead ball percentages and 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 getting up those those numbers that we need to be scoring on free kicks and corners.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, I would like to see
0: that actually. Uh, I
1: think um, for me the key matchup in this match is going to be. Philadelphia's wide players uh, El impressed me in that Chicago game mm-hmm. uh, I thought he was a very skilled player uh, he's I think they're wide players against Orlando City's fullbacks especially with Shea out and with Ramos has you know being off to sort of a, an okay but not great start this year uh, so it'll be up to Bowden and Ramos uh, I'm guessing Bowden I'm, I will not see why it would be anybody else but uh, you know uh, by the way, it's seven nil now for USA over Colombia as we're <laughs> recording this. <laughs>
0: um, Somebody throw in the towel.
1: Yeah, somebody's going to need to need to do that. You know, they should just start the bus. But um, yeah, so I, I think Ramos and Bowden are going to have to play well in this match to keep the balls from coming into the dangerous areas for Sepong. And also, I think that we need the, the typical standout game in the middle from Saren and Aguita. And I think that they've got to keep their heads for the second straight game. I don't think that they can, uh, you know, be rec- reckless and, and get fouls and, and get yellow cards and that kind of thing. I think they're going to have to keep their heads and, and you know, just play, you know, the strong soccer that they've been playing this season. Uh, and that, to me, is the is the key to this game because there's plenty of, you know, firepower in the lineup even with Laren out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I am. Um, I'm gonna score wise. I don't know, man. It's hard because it's hard to predict a lot of goals when you're yet to score a goal against a team. So, <laughs> I, I, um, I think
0: the I think the reason I'm going with that is I think both teams have changed so much in the in the off season that it's just going to be a completely different affair.
1: Yeah, I, and. It, it is, but also, also I, I say it with respect for Andre Blake because he's playing really well this year too. So I'm going to say it's going to be a one to one draw. That's that's going to be. I'm, it would be you know it would be nice to stay unbeaten, stay at the top of the table, um, and um, you know it, get any anytime you get a road point in the MLS, it's good and and uh, but you know Orlando just hadn't seemed to get over the hump against this Philadelphia team yet and. Um, you know, we went with Alan Kelly uh, Sunday, winning the uh, 2015 MLS Referee of the Year. Well, we're going to get the third place finisher in that Referee of the Year, uh, you know, voting last year. Hire Marufo is the uh, referee on uh, on Friday night in uh, Talon Energy Stadium. It's not PPL Park anymore. So, uh, you know, it it should be interesting. Last week, I want to call attention to this because it was brought to my attention on Twitter. Last week I said I didn't want to predict that a defender would score (laughs) because how many times I've been wrong and two defenders scored.
0: So this time, don't predict and then it'll still come true. Maybe that's the the way.
1: (laughs) yeah. So I don't want to predict that uh, Kaká will get a hat trick.
0: Oh, um, I like it. You, you went lofty, is what I
1: like yeah, about that. I don't. I don't want to pretend that. I'm not, I'm not going to predict that, that he's going to get a hat trick. But no, I, I see it as a one-one, and I don't know where the, I don't know where the goal will come from. It might come from some. Un, like unexpected source, like Darwin Saren, or maybe a, like a guy who just works really hard, like Adrian Vinter.
0: You could go for Bendik in the ninety fourth on a last minute corner kick if you really, to,
1: <laughs> if you want to make
0: it something extraordinary.
1: Bendik, boy. Um, yeah, you know, we didn't even really talk about the penalty so much as other than you know, obviously it was a huge play in the game because he was, you know, kept the game from getting to two one before the half. Yep. Uh, so it was it was really, really something, and uh, I think that Orlando City fans are are squarely... I know that a lot of people complained about getting rid of Tally Hall, and a lot of people weren't giving Bendik very much uh, uh, credit when he was brought in, but I think that he squarely has uh, Orlando City fans on his side now.
0: Oh, I I think, you know, I'm definitely one of those people that was not rating him at the start. His positioning looked terrible. He was just kind of all over the place, but you know what? I think what he really learned was his back line. And as soon as you can grasp a backline as a goalkeeper, your job becomes infinitely easier. And those people, you know, they bailed him out. The New York City game was a prime example of him knowing his guys in front of him and getting that positioning right that allowed him to stop the ball so much easier. Um, mm-hmm. And that takes time, and he's gotten those minutes, and he's gotten those times in training, and I think we're starting to see it on game day now.
1: Yeah. Now, uh,
0: one thing, uh, a nice
1: programming note, Saturday night – Orlando city B is going to travel up to Kentucky to play Louisville city. Uh, so it will be last year's affiliate in the USL playing, you know, Orlando city's reserve side OCB, which they're still looking for their first victory. They're Oh, one and one. They got, uh, they had a man sent off very early in the second half, Tony Rocha, who will be suspended for this week's game. And Tony has been a guest on the podcast, so we're sorry to see him get that suspension. But, uh, Pretty deserved. Those were two yellow cards that he got that were um, pretty much no doubters, and uh, it was unfortunate. But Orlando City B, uh, some resolute defending, very heroic goalkeeping, uh, was able to get a nil-nil draw and get their first point in USL, and uh, they will go up and play in Louisville Slugger Field on Saturday, and our Jeff Milby will be there to cover that, Andrew.
0: You know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be – it's going to show – why we potentially wanted to be our own, affi- our own affiliate. You know, we, we did this for a reason. We wanted to develop talent. Um, and also Louisville lost some talent in the offseason with the loss of Brian X, Lion, Brian Burke, um, mm-hmm. as well as USL top scorer and record holder Matt Fondy. So I think it will be an interesting game, especially when you contrast it with the fact that they managed to beat the full side um, in a mid-season friendly last year.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting game. I'm looking forward to watching that on the YouTubes yeah. on uh, on Saturday. So uh, we're just about ten days away from the the Pride starting their season uh, at Portland, and uh, and then of course there will be the home opener against Houston. Carly Lloyd bringing her team, the Houston Dash, into the Citrus Bowl. They're trying to trying to set a record, folks, uh, for NWSL attendance, which I believe is in the twenty one thousand range. Mm-hmm. I think Columbus, or I think I think Orlando can crush that record
0: Uh, if how about this if they don't i i I don't see how the pride stay a team very long in this city (laughs) (laughs) you know Uh they need a really strong showing from the get-go and i think the club's done a great marketing you know there was a lot of two you know home opener two for ones or pair tickets when the before orlando city kicked off there are a lot Mm -hmm. of tickets floating around i don't see how they don't shatter that record and Probably a record that could be held for a really long time.
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think uh, you and your wife will be there, and I know I'll be there, and uh, and hopefully all of our listeners will be there. But that'll about do it for episode forty-four of the Mainland Podcast, uh, Andrew. I wanna I wanna make sure that folks uh, visit us on iTunes and um, you know give us a, a good iTunes rating, make some good comments there for us if they you know if you like the show. Uh, also. You know, obviously, if you listen to the show on iTunes or Stitcher or uh, Google Play or Blog Talk Radio, you don't are not that familiar with the print version of our show. Well, we've got a lot more than this at our website, which is www.themainland.com. Main is spelled M-A-N-E. Please visit us online. Please follow us on Twitter. We're at the Mainland, and uh, like us on Facebook. And uh, I think that takes care of just about all our business. Yeah. So Andrew Harrison uh, on on your behalf and uh, on behalf of the clowns who, who couldn't be on the show tonight with us because they had like important things to do uh, I am Michael Citro for the mainland saying uh, I'm signing off saying go City.